Okay, we're going to start here on the bottom of Lamed Hay with Bed, six lines up from the bottom. Gufa. Gemara is going back to something that was mentioned before, which is Amar Yudam Shmuel, Bechenam Barabitzchak, Amar Rabiochan, and Shem Zait, Mevarchan, Alav Bori Priyaitz. It comes to olive oil, you make a bracha of Bori Priyaitz. The Gemara wants to know, Echidami, what's the situation in which one would consume olive oil and be making a bracha of Bori Priyaitz? Ilay Medakashati Lay, if he's drinking it straight, Azuke Mazikle, it's damaging to him. There's no, but nobody drinks olive oil straight down. Not only is it not drink, but it's actually detrimental to him. And therefore you wouldn't make a bracha on it. Titania, and here when we're dealing with truma, when it comes to eating truma, if one eats truma, then they owe the Kohen, Karen Vichomesh. A Karen plus an extra fifth on top of that. And that's because they got benefit from truma. On the other hand, if one damages truma, it's mazik truma, then you owe the money to the coin. You're mazik, you owe the karen to the coin. So if you want to know how the Mishnah views what's happening, you have to look at the payment that you have to make. If the payment is karen, just simply the value of the item, that means that we think you damaged the truma, and now you have to replace it. On the other hand, if we are asking you to pay karen vichomesh, karen plus the additional Fifth, then we know that you got hana, that you got benefit from it. So that's what the Gemara brings over here. The Tanya, Tosef, Tashotesh, Shemen, Shel, Truma. Someone drinks Truma, Mishalem, Etakeren. Ve'inu, Mishalem, Etachomesh. He just pays the value, not the additional Chomesh. That means that the Tosef, the clearly views drinking of Truma, not as something where you're getting hana, benefit from it, but that you're just damaging the olive oil. You're ruining the Kohen's olive oil. On the other hand, the Sach, Shemen, Shel, Truma. Someone who anoints themselves with this olive oil. There, you're getting benefit from the truma, and you would have to pay both the karen plus the additional penalty of the chomesh. Obviously, that doesn't help us, because if you're sach, if you anoint yourself with oil, you're not going to be making a bracha. So, the problem is, where are you making this bracha? Ella, He's using it as an accompaniment to some bread. He spreads olive oil on his bread. There's a principle that we get to a Mishnah. If you have two items that you're eating, one of them is the primary object, the other one is secondary. You only make a bracha on the primary object. You don't worry about the secondary, the accompanying object. So, for instance, here, the bread is clearly the primary object. The olive oil is second, is a condiment. It's only added on afterwards. And therefore, you're going to make hamotzi on the bread, and you're not going to worry about the olive oil. So that cannot be where we're making a bori pre'etz on the olive oil. He drinks it through a mixture called anigron. Anigron, what is this anigron? Mayad salka is water that comes from boiled beets. The boiled beets, the water from the boiled beets, is then it's mixed together with olive oil. That is called an anigron. Rashi says, Spinach, right. So Rashi translates it as spinach, although selic in the... Today is beets, and many people translate selic here. Silka as being beets. So it's one of the two. It's either water from spinach or water from beets. Ansigron is mayade kulhu shalke. It's the water from other vegetables. So it's equivalent of, of a vegetable soup without the vegetables in it or without any pureed vegetables, and then you mix that with the olive oil. So, we're back to the same point we were before. The anigron is the primary object here. The shaman zayit is only secondary. It's only added to the anigron, and you're going to make a broth on the anigron, which is shakol. Shem and tafel, but it's not. So here you make a shakol, and the shem and zayit would come along with it. He has a pain in his throat, his throat aches. Tanya, we have a bright, uh, this is din in Shabbat. Someone who has an ache in their throat, pain in their throat. This is a problem in Shabbat, that one is not allowed to perform rifuah. Anything that is medicinal, one may not do on Shabbat, unless, of course, you have either sakana, or there are other dispensations, even when there is, you know, but there's some reason that we allow you to do it. The basic premise is something called Zerat Shkikat Simamanim, which is that we were afraid that if we allow you to take medicine on Shabbat, perform anything that has to do with health on Shabbat, you're going to come to Shkikat Simamanim, which is to make the actual medicine. 
in their day, right, making the medicine involved, putting in the pestle and a mortar, which would be a melacha on Shabbat. It's the same way it's made today, except it's all done in a factory. We don't see it anymore. But the xera is still in place. And therefore, we opt out of taking medicine on Shabbat wherever we can. If it doesn't involve any problems and there's no sakana, we generally dissuade someone from taking medicine on Shabbat because of this gzeira. So here, if you do something that's obviously medicinal on Shabbat, we're going to say, please don't do that. So here, if he puts the oil, Rashi calls it lo enu, means basically to gargle with the oil. And then we know for sure the only reason you're putting the oil in there is for your throat ache. And then it's being used medicinally. And we're not going to allow that on Shabbat. So that's a chashesh we can know. Lo yarenu b'shem and tchila b'shabbat. Tosafot says yarenu is anybody who drinks it for medicinal purposes. He doesn't have to gargle. He doesn't have to stop it in his throat. Even if he drinks it, just straight down. But if the whole purpose is medicinal, then no go. Aval, what you can do is notein shem and arbeil tocha negron ubolea. You can mix this olive oil in with the negron. But what you do is you stack it with shem and zayit. You can put a Negro, but then you put in three times the normal amount of shemen zayed into it and drink it. Because that looks like you're just drinking normally. You're eating something on Shabbat. And in that case, if you're doing something that is a normal behavior and it has medicinal benefit, that you're allowed to do on Shabbat. So here he's drinking a Negro. It happens to be that the Negro is stacked with this shemen zayed. That you're allowed to do on Shabbat. And what are you going to make the brach on? Now we switched what is the ikar. Before, the anigron was the ikar because you wanted to drink anigron. But now, you really want the shem and zayit. The only reason you have the anigron is to protect you from a violation of Shabbat. So here, the ikar is shem and zayit. And you're going to make a bore priates on this shem and zayit. Where it says pshita. You made it so simple now. Why do I need someone to tell me that olive oil gets a bore priates now? Of course, you came to the point where you're basically drinking olive oil in a way that is beneficial. So, I would think since he's only drinking for medicinal purposes, lo should not make a bracha on it. Wow, period. You don't make bracha on medicine. You take medicine, there's no reason to make a bracha. It's an important principle that if you get benefit from it, you got to make a bracha. And that's true of medicines today. Medicines today that are tasty, for instance, the kids where they have candies, flavors, anything like that, they need to make a bracha on it. Because there's not only the medicinal side of it, but there's some sort of hana'ah that you're getting. And by bracha rishona, even a ti'ima, even the smallest taste requires a bracha rishona. So over here, if you take the medicine and there's something beneficial from it, has a flavor, and sugar, it's something that you enjoy in some way or brings you some sort of hana'ah, you need to make a bracha on the medicine. Otherwise, you do not. If you take a bitter medicine or the liquid is not tasty at all, you don't make a bracha. You simply take the medicine, not make a bracha on it. And now we're referring to the bracha in terms of the taste buds, or good? Mouth and the throat, basically, where you feel it, the taste and the swallowing of it. It's not that feeling the satisfaction of feeling full or something to that effect. The bracha vishona has to do with simply the flavor, the taste. So even a tima, you have to make a bracha for So even the smallest, there is no shior for a bracha rishona. There's no minimum shear for a bracha rishona, and therefore, even the smallest amount will require a bracha rishona. Timcho dechite. Now this is flour that was made from wheat. The problem is that if it's clearly flour that's made from wheat, then there's no question what the bracha would be, if you should call, because nobody eats that, and it's nothing like the original kernel that you made. So this kimcho dechite, Tosavot suggests that it's kluya, that it's like a roasted kernel, like they do for the Omer. When they made the Omer, they used to roast the kernels, dry them out, and then they would only afterwards, would they mill them? Even if you don't mill them, maybe they're so dried out, you can crush them in your hand, and then they have a flowery makeup to them. So that's the kimcha de hitchite here, that, which would be eaten. The bracha is adoma. Rav Nachman says the bracha is she'akol. Amalei rova the Rav Nachman. Lo tiflu galei Rav you shouldn't argue on Rabbi Yehuda, the Rabbi Yochanan and Shmuel come Because you have Rabbi Yochanan and Shmuel who support the position of Rabbi Yehuda. Tam Rabbi Yehuda, my Shmuel, b'chena marvitzah Rabbi Yochanan, the memra that we just saw before. Shem and zayit, mevarchen alav boi priyayitz. Comes to olive oil, make a boi priyayitz. Alma. So what are we going to conclude this? Avagavdishtane. Even though it changed. It was a zayit, it was an olive. Now it changed into olive oil. B'mil teikai. It still remains with its bracha, borei priyayitz. So hachanami, or in our case as well, even though originally it was a wheat kernel, 
Now it's changed into flour. It's going to remain with its bracha. Everybody agrees, if you were to chew on wheat kernels, which is something they did in their day, it's called koses, or kosisat chitim. If you chew it on the wheat kernels, you make a bari priyadama. So if you make a dama there, and now that it's flour, it's the same as changing the olive into olive oil. And you continue to make a bracha hadama. Mi dami. Hey, how can you draw a parallel between these two? Hotam le'le iluye achrino, hacha itle iluye achrino. It's a big difference. When it comes to olives and olive oil, you've come to the end of the process. The process is moving from olives to olive oil, and you're at the end of the process. Flour is only a station along the way in the process. Nobody takes wheat kernels to make it into flour and then to stop there. The flour is a station to get to the next stage, which is to make it into dough or into bread. So if that's the case, you haven't reached the end goal. If there is another change or upgrade, you don't make a very priyadama on it, rather a shakol, and Rashi explains why, because the gorah, both sides are better. The kernels themselves, when they are plain wheat kernels, they're of a higher grade or have a higher status than the flour. The bread that's afterwards also has a higher status than the flour. So the flour is really the worst scenario, or the worst makeup of this whole process. So if you're in that stage, you're going to make a shakol on it, and not a bore pri adama. You cannot parallel this to the case of olive oil. So when it says, Amar of Zera, Amar of Matna, Amar Shmol, Akra Chayo, Bekimcha Desare, Mivarchinen Alayu, Shakol Niyabidvaro. So we have a memorial from Shmuel, which is that Kra Chayo is a raw gourd. Kimcha Desare, the same thing here, we have flour that's made from barley. Mivarchin Alayu, Shakol Niyabidvaro. Make a shakol on it. Now, for our case, we're looking for wheat flour. So there are two possibilities of what you can learn from this memra. Either you can say, just like the flour of barley gets a shackle, so too the flour of wheat should get a shackle. Or you can say, wait a minute, the memra only mentioned barley flour and gourds. That means it's not including wheat flour. So my love, dechite bari priyadama. So it must be that the memra is only saying Barley flour, not wheat flour. That would be to the exclusion of wheat flour and wheat flour. You would make a bari piyadama on it. says, no. Wheat flour also gets a shakol. If that's the case, it should be included in the member of Shemuel. Because seorim, barley, is animal feed. Wheat is human feed. If that's the case, it would be more likely that Shemuel should talk about wheat than he should talk about barley. When it says, if you tell us about chite, koshikin desare, then we would know the same din by seorim. So when it says, yes, meaning dechite, avamina animili dechite, I would have thought if you put wheat in the memra, that that's the din by chita, by wheat, avo desare, by barley, loli vrechalek lao. Shouldn't make a brach on it whatsoever. Kamash valon, that you do make a brach on it. When it says, omi goromi melech vizamit, is barley flour any worse than Salt and zamit is me melach, salt water, brine. Those two items, when you eat them, it's nan. Ala melach, ala zamit, omer shakol, varo. And we know on these two items, you do make a shakol. So if you're going to make shakol on those items, these things like salt and salt water, then certainly you would make a brocha on barley flour. It says itzrich, sakadat chamina melach, zamit, avidin, shedishadi, lepumei. People sometimes put a little brine, a little salt into their mouth to get a flavor. And so that makes sense to make a brach on it. When it comes to barley flour, since it's detrimental for kokiani, Rashi calls them tolaim dimaim, that is some sort of worms in the intestinal system, probably tapeworm. Since they are negative for tapeworms, lo livrech klal, you shouldn't make a brach on it whatsoever. So here, the end game of eating this barley flour is that you can end up with tapeworm, or you can end up feeding the tapeworms, and that's going to be negative for you. So maybe don't make a bracha. Kamash valan, this answers your question. Since there's no up front on it, you have to make a bracha. So even though it's detrimental in the back end, since up front there is some sort of flavor to it, it's some sort of beneficial taste to it, therefore you would make a brach on it, even though it's detrimental for the tapeworm. 
If it's not Royal Achila, you wouldn't make a bracha on it. Because then it's Vitaila Dato, it's Okoladam. Korah. Korah is heart of palm. Raviud Omer, Bori Priyadama. In heart of palm, you make Bori Priyadama. Shmolamar, Shakol Niyah Bidvaro. Raviud Omer, Bori Priyadama. Perehu. It's a fruit of the palm tree. Shmolamar, Shakol Niyah Bidvaro. Hob Sofolak Shot. Heart of palm is where the new leaves come up every year. And you can see on a palm tree each year there's a new level of leaves that come up. As the new level is produced, if you take out the heart of the palm before the leaf hardens, that is where you get the heart of palm. If you leave it there, it'll harden like you see on the palm trees. It hardens into a wooden substance. So the question is, what bracha do you make? If you take it out when it's ra'u'i l'achila, when you're going to eat it, then it's like a fruit of the tree. But if you left it on the tree, it would harden into something wood-like or wood-like substance. So that's what they're arguing about. Yudah says, well, when you take it off, it's a fruit, so then you make a bari priyadama, whereas Reb Shmuel says that it's eventually going to turn into a piece of wood, so you make a shakol. The reason you make a bari priyadama is because it's not a fruit that is produced off of the tree. You make a bari priyadama when it's a fruit that extends from the tree. Here, anything that's a part of the tree itself, whether it's a leaf, a branch, or something internal to the tree, you're going to make a bari priyadama, because that is a produce of the ground, not a produce of the tree itself. Amalei Shmuel, the Rav Yehuda Shinina. Shmuel says to Rav Yehuda, now Rav Yehuda is the Talmud of Shmuel. Shinina is translated different ways in Shas. Either Shinina means big teeth. So that was the way they defined them in their day. Remember, they didn't have surnames. And so they had to describe someone. Usually your name came and then you had some sort of descriptor. We saw before, Rav Hanina Aroch. Or Hakatin. Zira Hakatin. Or by their profession. So that was some way to find them. The other possibility, Shinina means he was sharp. He was very sharp. He was his Talmud and he was very sharp. So he says, Shmuel says to his Talmud that I think you are right about your Allah, but it's Bori That's known. It comes to radishes, so for Lakshot. If you leave radishes in the ground, they will eventually harden. What bracha do we make on radishes? You eat a radish, you make a Bori Priyadamah. The comparison or the parallel is not right. Because it's known, when it comes to radishes, not the inch died to the pugla. When people plant radishes, they plant them for the radish. The pugla here is just the moist radish, the one that is still edible. So when people plant it, they plant it because they think they're going to eat the radishes. Dikla, when it comes to a palm tree, lo not the inch died to the kora. Nobody plants a tree, a palm tree, specifically for the heart of palm. And if you don't plant, if this is not the primary purpose of the planting, then you don't make a brach on it. When it means don't make a brach on it, here it means you don't make a baripi you make a shehakol on it. Now Rashi points out over here that heart of palm is still a produce of the tree. So why don't you make a baripi Because it's detrimental to the tree. When you take out the heart of palm, you ruin the tree or you ruin the leaves or that level of the tree. So when it comes to... Radishes, the whole purpose is for the radish itself. Fine, you take it out, you eat it, you make a bari priyadama. By the heart of palm, when you take it out, it's actually detrimental, it ruins the tree. If that is so, nobody plants it for that purpose, because then you'll lose out the primary purpose of the tree, which is the dates, or the leaves of the tree. And since this is not its primary purpose, plus it's detrimental, we won't make a bari priyadama, we'll only make a shakol on it. If today they plant it specifically for heart of palm, we know that they put them into preservatives. You have uh, cans of hearts of palm that they might be trees where they grow them specifically for the heart of palm. In that case, the bracha might change. Because if they are grown specifically for it, it would be a bari priyadama and not a shakon niyabidvaro, which is likely what the bracha should be on heart of palm today is bari priyadama because they're growing it not for the dates in that instance. They're growing it specifically for the heart of palm. It's very funny. I just I gave this stuff last night in Hebrew and they asked me the exact same question. What about grape leaves? I think grape leaves, they still plant them primarily for the grapes. It's a side benefit, a byproduct of the grape vine. But over there, it's not detrimental to the grape vine to take off the leaves. If it's not detrimental, then you would make a bracha on those grape leaves. Although in most cases, I'm not sure it's the primary object. They use it, they wrap it right around something else. So it's the rice and the meat inside that's probably the primary object. Alright, Slav. Slav is a caper bush. It's a favorite of the Mishnah and the Gemara. And that is because the caper bush has numerous items that are edible on it. And because of that, it's always a great test case for any halacha. Any halacha like Shvi'it, Trumot, Masrot. Here, we're going to deal with Orla. All of these items, it's a great test case to see what exactly is going on because of all the products that are on the caper bush. 
So did not the inchiyataita the pircha? The reason people plant the paper bush, the primary reason they plant it for is the fruit. Fruit that comes out of it. Here, pircha means the flower, but that's the blossom that produces the fruit. Vitznan. Aminenitzpeh. So here, minenitzpeh is it's slap a caper bush. Mine is because it has multiple items that are edible. Alalin, on the leaves. Valet marot. Tamarot can either be small berries or more likely they're the green shoots. They come out. In the leaves, there are these green shoots that come out by the leaves. Those are also edible. And both of those you make bore priya adama. Alevionot. Evionot are the fruit of the caper bush, which are the equivalent of the berries. Valkafrisin. Kafrisin are the blossoms of the flower of the caper bush. Omer bore priyaits. So here you have four items that are edible in the caper bush. Two of them you make a bore priya adama. Two of them you make a bore priyaits. Over here, you see the difference between this and the palm tree. By the heart of palm, you make a shakol, because when you take out the heart of palm, it's detrimental to the tree. Over here, when you take off the leaves or the green shoots and eat them, it has no impact on the primary usage of the caper bush for the fruit. And since it's not detrimental to the main fruit, you will make a bori priyadam on it. So that's the difference between taking something off that's not detrimental. So there, by the grape leaves, I think it would be a bori priyadam. Sarah Nachman Yitzchak, Slav. Nate inche adaita de shuta. Dikla no nate inche adaita de kora. Difference is, by a caper bush, people have in mind the green shoots. By the dekel, nobody plants it for the kora. And that's exactly for the reason I explained before. The green shoots are not detrimental. You pick them off, the bush is fine and the fruits will be grown and you won't have any issue. On the other hand, by the dekel, by the palm tree, nobody plants it for the heart of palm, because that would ruin its primary utilization, which is for getting the, the dates, the fruit of the palm tree. Even though Shmuel praised Rav Yehuda, the locha is like Shmuel. And therefore, Tosafot says, these byproducts of the grapevine, the lulevei which are also like a green shoot of the grapevine, and shkedim, sheim rakim, ochlim pipatam achitzuna, or these nuts, where when they are young and soft, you eat the outer shells. In both of those cases, you will make a shakol, because that's not the primary purpose of the object, and it might be detrimental. The shkedim are grown so that they eventually will harden, and the shell around them will harden, and you'll eat that it's internal. So when you eat them early, then you'll make a shakol, because you're taking them off early. If you eat them off, we'll have some sort of detrimental impact on the vine, and therefore you'll only make a shakol on them. Now the Gemara continues, and is going to discuss this caper bush. Caper bush in its first three years. And we're dealing with something outside of Eretz Yisrael, which we'll see has impact on this. You can toss the berries or the fruit and eat the kafrisin, the memra. You would conclude from this, the fruits, the berries, are classified as a fruit, and therefore it's governed by the rules of our law. Our law say that fruits in the first three years may not be eaten. On the other hand, the kafrisin, the blossom, flower on there, you can eat it because it's not classified as a fruit. Well, that's problematic for the memory that we just had before. We just said before, what bracha do you make on the Ebionot and Kafisin? Borei Priha eats. That means that they're both considered to be fruit. Veraminu, aminin itzpeh alalim. Velat marot, omer borei priha dama. Elevionot velkafisin. Berries in the buds, omer borei priha eats. The mer says, oh, damarki Rabbi Akiva. This case in Orla is like Rabbi Akiva. Adetnan, eva machloket. Rabbi Lezer, omer tzlaf, mitasert, marot, veebionot vekefrisin, Pelezer says these three items from the caper bush have maser taken off of them, which again are the green shoots, the berries, the fruits, and the kafrisim, the buds, the flowers. So you see that he thinks they are ochel, they are pre. Here it says the only thing you take maser off is the fruits themselves. That's the only pre that Rabbi Kiva thinks on the caper bush. So why then on the Orla case? Why don't you just say halachas like Rabbi Kiva instead of saying you throw out the Evyono to eat the kafrisin? It would be easier just to say halachas like Rabbi Kiva. I would think that halachas like Rabbi Kiva even in Eretz Yisrael. The Mashmalon, that that's not the case. The halacha is different between Eretz Yisrael and Chutz Laaretz. Why? Anybody who is mekil with guards to mitzvotah tuguyot ba'aretz in Eretz Yisrael, Allah is like them in Chutz Laaretz. And that's because any din of mitzvah tuguyot ba'aretz that applies in Chutz Laaretz is only a din de Rabbanon. So since it's only a din de Rabbanon, we only take the most mekil opinion in 
Eretz Yisrael, and we apply it to Chutz Laaretz. So here you have a Machloket, Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Eliezer. In Eretz Yisrael, we're going to paskin like Rabbi Eliezer. That's a Suffolk de Oraita. That's a Torah law inside of Eretz Yisrael. Suffolk de Oraita, we're going to go to Chumrah and paskin like Rabbi Eliezer. In Chutz Laaretz, we're talking about a Derabanan. Suffolk de Rabbanan, we're going to go to Kula, we're going to go like Rabbi Akiva and Chutz Laaretz. So here for here, we're talking about Orla and Chutz Laaretz. Orla and Chutz Laaretz, a Din de Rabbanan. Since I have a din derabanan in chutz laaretz, I'm going to say that the evyonot are considered to be fruit. The kafrisian are not going to be considered like fruit. Our baaretz, well, that won't be true. V'neima alach yirabi kiva b'chutz laaretz. You could still make it explicit. Just say the alach is like yirabi kiva in chutz laaretz. So Mazar says, no, no, because then I would have a problem. The chol mekabar is alach kamotu b'chutz laaretz. Iyamar alach yava mina. I would have thought ani milah gabi maser ilan. That's talking about maser ilan the baaretz gufa midurabanan. Because that even in Eretz Yisrael is a dindrabanan. As she quotes over here, the point being that the only thing that is chayav in Shemot and Masrot, Midoraita from the Torah is Dagan, Tirosh, Vizar. Dagan being grains, Tirosh is grapes and grape juice, wine, and Yitzar is olives or olive oil. Those are the only items that are chayav Midoraita in Shemot and Masrot. Otherwise, everything else is Midrabanan. Now, for sure, everybody agrees that when it comes to Yirakot, vegetables inside of Eretz Yisrael, they are only midirabanan. The Trumot Masrot and vegetables are dirabanan. Fruits, other fruits on the tree, is a machloket vishonim as to whether they're midoraita, midirabanan. Over here, you see the Gemara almost explicitly saying that they are dirabanan, and Rashi interpreting the same. So here you have Maserilan, which would be only in Eretz Yisrael, is dirabanan. So therefore, we're mekil and chutzar. It's abagabi orla. When we're talking about orla, to be eretz Israel is midoraita, is Torah law. And bechutzar, it's nami nigzor. Maybe even the derabanan and chutzar will be chamur. And we'll say that it's also problematic. Kamash balon. That's why we taught you the din through orla, which is toss out the evyonot, eat the kafrisim. Even though we're dealing with a din deoraita of orla, nevertheless, bechutzar, it's we're mekil, and we allow you to eat the kafrisim, but not the evyonot, because that's the position of Rabbi Akiva. Ravina Ashkechei the Marba Ravashi. He found Marba Ravashi obviously is in Chutzlarts. Marba Ravashi lived in Bavel. Kazarik Evyonotu Kachal Kafrisin. He was doing exactly like what we saw in the Memra before. He was eating the Kafrisin and throwing away the Evyonot. Amalei Ma'adatcha. What do you think? Kirabi Akiva? The reason you're doing this is because you hold like Rabbi Akiva was Mekel in Chutzlarts. So V'la'avid Mark Kibay Chamai Demikilei Tvei. If you're ready to go the Kula, go all the way. Go full throttle. Beit Shammai is even more mekil than Rabbi Akiva. It's not. We have a Mishnah Tzlaf. When it comes to the caper bush, Beit Shammai umim kilayim bekerim. That is, kilayim bekerim. We just did this din before. At the end of the last paragraph, we said there are halacha kishloshaz kenim. Halacha is like the three elders. One of those elders was Rabbi Yoshia. And he said, when is it considered to be kilay akerim? What do you have to plant in the ground to be kilay akerim? Chartzan, chitav esorab, amapelet echad. You have to put in the ground the grape seed plus chita and seora in one shot. It's only kilay akerem if it's a zera. If it's considered to be zraim or dagan beforehand. It's not kilay akerem if it's a fruit. Other fruit trees are not considered to be kilay bekerem. So if Beit Shemai says here that they're kilay bekerem, it means that they don't view them as fruit. It means they view them as vegetables or dagan. But it's a bush. The caper bush is a siach. He's going to say that there are no fruits over here. There's no kilayim b'kerem here. We're talking about fruits. Both of them agree that there is a din of orla here. That's internally inconsistent. If you say it's kilayim b'kerem, then it's a vegetable. That's why it's kilayim b'kerem. If it's orla, then it is a tree. That's not a problem. They have a safek. And they go to chumra in both cases. In the case of kilay b'kerem, they assume it's a vegetable. In the case of orla, they assume that it is a fruit. But nevertheless, they do have a safek. They don't know. They don't know whether it's a fruit or a vegetable. The Beit Shemai have a loose safek orla. It's only a safek orla. In the end, bottom line is that it's only a safek orla. So in Eretz Yisrael, Safek Orla, you're going to go to Chumrah, it's a Dindor, right? That we're going to be Choshesh, that it is a fruit. Vitznan, and we have a Mishnah in Orla, Safek Orla, Eretz Yisrael. If you have a doubt about Orla in Eretz Yisrael, Asur, because there you're dealing with a Dindor, right? 
Bisuria, Surya are the lands that were conquered by David Melech near Aram Tzova, Aram Narayim, those areas that are up on the northeast near Syria. They were conquered but did not attain full Kedushat Aretz because they were either Kibush Yochid or they were done prior to the Kibush of Yushalayim and the rest of Eretz Yisrael. For whatever reason, they have a substandard Kedushat. They are not on the level of Kedushat Eretz Yisrael. So over there, Mutar. Surya, they're Mutar. Obechutz Aretz. Not only are they mutar when you have a safek, but here, yoreid velokeach. You can go down to a field where someone has planted in it both young and older trees. So there's a high likelihood that if he picks fruit from there, he has orla in it. As long as you don't see him picking it directly from the orla tree, if he presents you with fruits and you want to buy those fruits, don't ask him which trees they came from, you just buy them. Don't ask any questions, don't ask no tell, and you're fine. So over there you see that we go Lukula, very highly Lukula. So it says, Rabbi Kiva, Bimkom Rabbi Lezer, Abidin Kavete. Talk about a machloka between Rabbi Kiva and Rabbi Lezer, you have two Tanaim, and both of them stand afterwards. Even if we pass an aloha like one of them, the other opinion is still valid. Beit Shemai, Bimkom Beit Hilel, Eina Mishnah. Machloka Beit Hilel, Beit Shemai, when we pass them like Beit Hilel, it's as if Beit Shemai doesn't exist at all. Since Beit Shemai doesn't exist at all, there's nothing to go back to. There's nothing to make you like. It's because there is no opinion anymore. We assume there's no opinion. Blessed Rabbi Kiva, even though we pass him like Rabbi Lezer, nevertheless, Rabbi Kiva's opinion is still there, and therefore we can be maker like it in Chutzarit. So that means that the furthest point you can be maker to is Rabbi Akiva. It's interesting. You have similar issue today with Pestiflora. Passion fruit. That's right. The Pestiflora, which is fruit that grows all over here on a vine. The question is, what bracha do you make on the Pestiflora? Do you make a bori priyayitz on it as a fruit, or do you make a bori priyadam on it? It has impact, because if you think it's a bori priyayitz, then there's orla to it, and you'd have to wait three years to eat it after it's been planted. On the other hand, if you make a bori priyadam on it, then it wouldn't have a din of orla. You have to decide, is it a fruit, or is it a vegetable? You know, Rabbi Yudhu Seif thinks that it's a bori, the bracha on it is a bori priyadam and therefore would not be subject to orla. People who do make a bori priyayitz on it, should be careful then, because if you really think it's a pre, then you would have an issue of Orla, you wouldn't be able to eat it for the first three years. Right now the Gemara goes back to the original statement, and says, but typically, forget about this Orla thing. We said now, if you know it, you toss out, because they're fruits. Kafisin, you can eat, because they're not classified as fruit in Chutzlaretz. When it says, forget about it being classified as a fruit, typically, they're not Shomer the pre, because it is a protector of the fruit. And we're going to see in one second that when it comes to orla, you're not only chayav in orla when it comes to the fruit itself, you're chayav in orla but anything that is tangential to the fruit. The Pasuk says, So the word et, hatafel piryo, et is a reboy, to come to include things that are secondary, incidental to the fruit. What is that? Shomer the pri. Anything that is a protector of the fruit. So the kafri sin, this blossom here, sits around the fruit, around the evionot, and it's considered to be a shomer to the evionot. So even if you want to suggest that the kafri sin are not a fruit, they should still be chayav and orla, not because they are fruit, but because they are a protector of the evionot, of the fruit itself. Samarova, so we're going to have Rova now, who's going to have a formulation of how to distinguish between this kafri sin and the caper bush and other shumrim, other shumrim of a pri, it's going to take him three attempts to do it. This is the first of three attempts, and each time the Gemara is going to have a question until we get to the final formulation of Rava. So here's the first formulation. When do we say that it becomes a Shomer the Pri? That's only when this shell or protector stays on, both while it's on the tree and after it's picked. But, hocha, by the case of the caper bush, while it's on the caper bush, it's still on it. When you want to pick the envionot, once you pick the fruit of the caper bush, it's no longer on it. So that's why it's not classified as orla, because it separates away, or falls away, once you pick the fruit. When we're talking about Shomer Pri, that's mentioned in the Gabe Orla, we're talking about a Shomer Pri that stays even after it's picked. Is that really true? Pitma Shorimon, the top of the rimon of the pomegranate, mitzterefet. That is a part of it. Here we're talking about v'hilchotumah. V'hilchotumah, it's considered to be a part of the rimon, part of the pomegranate. Hanates. The nates is the blossom, flower of the pomegranate. Shlo en mitzterefet. It's not included. Midikamar hanates shlo en mitzterefet. The fact that the nates, this blossom, does not 
come together with the pomegranate to be considered problematic in terms of Tumah, Alma, Dalav, Ochelhu. It's not classified as something that is edible or a food. It's not Gabi Orla. On the other hand, we have a Mishnah by Orla, Klipe, Rimon, Vanechelo. The shell and this nates, this blossom of the pomegranate, Klipe, Gozim, the shells of the nuts, Ve'agarinim, and the pits, Chayavin, Be'orla. Or this, all of these are Chayavin Orla. So you see that the nates, Shalom, is Chayav in Orla, even though it's not an Ochel. What's the only reason that the blossom could be Chayav in Orla, even though it's not edible? Because it's a Shomer Lapri. It's exactly the same thing. It functions like the Kaprisin. The Kaprisin, be you note, are the exact same thing as a Nates by the Rimon. If that's the case, you see that it's Chayav Bo Orla. What does that have to do with Ben Talush Ben Mabuchubar? Also, it falls away from the Rimon. The Nates falls away from the Rimon after you pick it. Here you have something that falls away even after you pick it. And nevertheless, it still has a Din or La. So, Rova's formulation doesn't work. We're going to go on to number two. The second formulation of Rova, try to distinguish between Kafisin and other Shomrim of a Pri. Just to note here, Tosafot points out, Klipei Gozim Vagarinin Uchayvin Borla. Says the Perininu. They are considered to be fruit. Mikan, sheish levari chalak garinim. Shal gud gadniyot. Begarinei afar sikim. Shal tapukim. If you eat seeds of cherries, the seeds of afar is peaches. Shal tapukim of apples. Bechol minei garinim shal perot. Borei peri ha'etz. The bracha is borei peri ha'etz. Today you get pitzuchim, you get these. Garinim, the bracha on them is bori because they are a part of the fruit. And that we see here from the Mishnah in Orla. Alamarova. Hecha amrinan denaselu shomer lepri. When is it classified as shomer lepri? Hecha de ite bishat gemar peirit. It's only still there at the time that the fruit ripens. Haikafres. When it comes to these kafrisin, these blossoms by the caper bush, late bishat gemar peirit. They're not there when the fruit ripens. They're only there in the early stages of the fruit. Once the fruit ripens, it falls away. Ini, is that really true? Mitchale are the equivalent of a kafres by a date. And they are calluses of dates, but basically the equivalent of the blossom that protects the evionot of the caper bush. That's the same is true by the dates, these mitchale. And what do you see Rav Nachman says? That they're chayav in orla. And the mitchale are only present when the fruit is still in an unripe state. The old benasu shomer the pri because they are a shomer the pri. Shomer the peri ematave bekufra. When are they protective of the dates? When they are kufra. Kufra means when it's in an unripened state. Bekari kari le shomer the peri, and it's still calling it a shomer the pri. From now when you're saying that it's only called a shomer the pri when it's there when the fruit ripens. Here we have the same object by a date, and yet we're saying. That even if it's there when it's not ripe, that is considered to be a Shomer Lepri. Rav Nachman, several like Rav Yossi. Rav Nachman's an unusual shita, because he holds like Rav Yossi. It's not. Rav Yossi Omer, Smadar Asur, Mibnishu Peri. The Smadar is a very, very early stage of the grape. It's the bud. When the grape is still a bud, then he says Asur, because that's classified as a Pri. Upligei Rabbanon Alei. The Rabbanon argue on Rav Yossi, because they say it's a, only a Pri once it reaches the time of a Boser. Those are when it turns into a fruit itself. It's a small, round fruit. That's when it's considered to be a fruit. Before that, it's not a fruit. So Rav Nachman's shita is because he thinks that a bud or a blossom is already considered to be a fruit. So since he has such an early consideration of what is a fruit, that's why he has a shita that it's called a pre. Because that's such an early stage. We all like the Rabbanon. So when we all like the Rabbanon, then they would not be. These matchale of dates would not be considered to be Shomer the Pri. Because they're not around when it reaches that ripened stage like the Shita of the Rabbanon. Wait, do you know that the Rabbanon argue on Rabbi Yossi when it comes to grapes? How do you know that he argues by other fruits? Here we're talking about a Tamar. Here we're talking about a date. When, from what point in time may you not cut down these trees on Shvi'it? Why may you not cut down trees on Shvi'it? Because they have Perot Shvi'it on them. Perot Shvi'it have a Gdushat to them. Since they are Kadosh, you are not allowed to be Mafsid Perot Shvi'it. You're not allowed to cause damage or loss to Perot Shvi'it. So once they have fruits on them, you may no longer cut the tree down. As Tosafot points out, this Easter exists even not on Shvi'it. You're not allowed to count down fruit trees, period. Because of Yishuv Eretz Yisrael. So Tosat says there are dispensations by fruit trees. 
If the wood of the tree is more valuable than the fruits, you're allowed to cut the tree down. If the production of the fruit on the tree is below a certain threshold, you're also allowed to cut it down. That's true outside of Shvi'it. But during Shvi'it, those dispensations don't exist. And that's why they use this as the example. So you can't cut it down. Any tree, once it flowers, can't cut it down anymore. That's already considered to be a pre, similar to Rabbi Yossi. The carobs, from the time that they look like chains. Hagifanim, mishi grow. The grapes, from the time they look like globules. Vezetim, mishi anitsu. And the olives, from the time that they blossom. Vishar kolailanot, mishi And the rest of the fruit trees, mishi once once they blossom, they bud. Famer of Asi, who boser, who garua, who pulalvan. Vasi says, well, boser and garua are the same thing. They are the initial stages of the fruit. Who pull a lavan? It's also a white bean. I says, what do you mean? Pull a lavan? How can it be a white bean? Sagadatcha? Elaema shiuro kupulavan. The size of a boz, to be considered a bozer or a girua, is the size of a white bean. That's the minimum standard for being a bozer. As Tosafot points out, therefore, if you eat, for instance, a grape below that size, you would make a bori priyadama, not a bori priyayit. It doesn't attain the status of pri, of fruit, until it exceeds that size. So much might lay damar bozer in smadarlo. Who is of the opinion that a bozer is considered to be a fruit? But a smadara bud is not considered to be a fruit. That was the Rabbanon that argued on Rabbi Yossi. It was up to Rabbi Yossi. By grapes, he would even say smadar. The fact that the girua is the threshold for fruit by a grapevine, that's the sheet of the Rabbanon. Viktani. In the sheet of the Rabbanon, we say sharkolinot mishiotil. The other fruit trees, when are they considered to be a pre? Once they bud. Well, now we're back to square one again. Now it sounds like the Rabbanon believed that a tamar, when it comes to a date... When is it considered a fruit? Mishiotzio. If that's the case, we're going to call it a Shumer Lapri. You're telling me that this is all a Shitat Rabbi Yossi? That's not true. Even the Rabbonon agree to this. And Rav Nachman's Shitat Chachamim as well. So you can't say to me that Rav Nachman's is outlier case, because he holds like Rabbi Yossi, that even buds are considered to be fruit. I have the Rabbonon holding exactly that way as well. And yet, it's called a Shomer Lapri, even though it's not there when they are nitbashel, when they become a ripe fruit. So Rav Rava, your distinction does not hold. Now here comes the third attempt by Rava. When is it considered to be a shomer lepri? Is when you remove it, the fruit dies. That's really a shomer lepri. It's a shomer because the fruit doesn't exist without it. Over here by the caper bush, if you take away the kafrisin, it does not affect the avionot. The fruits can exist without it. And we have a test case here. They went to the lab. They took off the blossom of the pomegranate. And it dried out. Didn't succeed. And there they took off the flower of the avionot of the caper bush. And they had no problem surviving. So that's the difference, and this stands up to the test, which is that Rava says, when is it called the Shomer the Pri? When the Shomer is essential for the Pri, then it's called the Shomer the Pri, and it'll be Chayab and Orla. Over here by the caper bush, the Kafrisin are not essential to the Pri. Since they're not essential to the Pri, therefore, there is no Din of Orla because of Shomer the Pri. That we rejected that already. I told you three times we was going to attempt to make an extinction to the Shomer the Pri and the Kabir Bush and other Shomerim the Pri. We rejected the first two times. This is the third one. We finally, this is the one that stands up to the test. I don't know. Either it's Rav himself changing his mind or it's the Gemara. More likely it's the Gemara trying to figure out what distinction Rav made and they finally come to this is, must be the distinction that he made. The initial statement was also the Gemara just saying what Rav would have said. Possibly. Many times in the Gemara, the Gemara knows that Rav made a distinction. They're not clear on what that distinction is, so they start working through what the possibilities are. They thought it was this, and then they reject, reject, and they come to a conclusion. Right now, the Gemara has something in parentheses here, because it's actually not part of the Gemara. It's from the Bahag, the Bahag Halachot Gedolot, which is, He threw away the fruit and ate the Kafrisin. Since it's not considered a fruit for... The orla, the gavi brachot, nami la peri nino, from the brachot, it's also not considered a peri. You only make a bari peri on these kafrisin. Tosafot disagrees with the bag for a very obvious reason. 
Why was Marbar Ravashi doing what he was doing? He, where was he? He was in Chutzlaretz. He was in Chutzlaretz, and therefore he passed in like Rabbi Kiva Lukula. So therefore he threw away the Avionot and kept the Kafrisin. If he was in Eretz Israel, what would he have done? He would have thrown out the Avionot and the Kafrisin because the Kafrisin would have been classified as a fruit in Eretz Israel. So Tosfat says, I don't understand. If he was in Eretz Israel, he would make a Bori Priha 8 on the Kafrisin because it's considered a fruit. Chutzvah is going to make a Bori Priha Dama on Kafrisin. Makes no sense. He says the brocha should be the same whether you're in Eretz Yisrael or in Chutzlaretz. Therefore, Tosfut says you make a bari priyates on the kafrisin, even though they don't have a classification of orla in Chutzlaretz. So even though they're considered a pre for bari priyates, they're not considered a pre for orla because of this din that we go to kula in Chutzlaretz with garbe orla. So he disagrees with the psak of the bahag pilpale talking about peppercorns. Rav Sheshit Amar shakol. Rav Amar loklum. Sheshit says you make a shakol. Rav says you don't make a brocha at all. Someone who chews on peppercorns. Now, kas, as Rashi points out, is the word ksisa, or kas, is used by the Gemara for It's something that a person eats not in its normal manner. So here, peppercorns are not usually eaten. They're used for flavor. They're not eaten like raw in that state, chewed on. So he says, kas filpale, I'm going to choose on them, biyomi de kippur yim pator. If you don't eat yom kippur, you're pator, because it's not considered eating. See, you wanted to know, dabr shalom roi lachida, here's something that's not normally eaten. Kas zangavilo, he chews on ginger, biyomi de kippur yim pator. Again, he's pator, because that's not the normal way to eat it. It's used for flavor, it's not used to be chewed on. Meitavei, arabiyo, merimi mashma, shinemar ba'arlatem, arlato, et pirio, by the sukim by orla, it says that that which is orla is the fruit, or fruit trees. By definition, if this is a tree that produces fruit, what type of tree is it? It's an eitz machal, it's a fruit tree. So then, Then why does the Torah go out of its way to tell you that it is a fruit tree? If it's a tree that produces fruit, then by definition it is a fruit tree. So why does it say eitz machal? It comes to include for Allah something where the tree itself has the same flavor as its fruit. What's an example of that? Peppercorns. Peppercorns, both the peppercorn and the tree itself have the same flavor. To teach you, Number one, which tells you that they are fruits. So that's what the problem is here. Now we're calling it peppercorns fruits. When Robert just said before, it's not edible. If you Yom Kippur, you're potor, and you wouldn't even make a shackle on it. And Teach you that Eretzel has everything in it. It's a land in which you will not eat bread. In a poor way, there'll be nothing missing. They even have this in Eretz Yisrael. It says, Lokasha, Haber Tifta, Yibeshta. Depends if it's moist or if it's dried out. When it's dried out, number one is, it's not considered a fruit. Number two is, it's not even considered Ochel. And if you chewed on it, you wouldn't be Chayav and Yom Kippur. You wouldn't make any Brocha on it because it's not a normal way to eat it. But then, if it's still moist, then it has a Din of Orla because it's considered a pre, and it has a then that you would have to make a bruch on it because it's still in its moist form. Is it really true that if you chew on ginger on Yom Kippur, you're pator? Unlikely that Rav is the Bala Memra here because Rav was the one who said before that when you chew on ginger, you are pator. Over here we're going to have someone who says that there's a bruch on it. So the other girs of Pazagiz is Ravina, which makes it more likely. Ravina, this preserved ginger that comes from, Rashi says, Kush, more likely it's India. Sharia, it's mutar. What does it mean, it's mutar? There's no problem of bishul akum by it. The fact that it came in preserved state, it's not bishul akum. And there's no giul akum. You don't have to worry about it being flavored by something else from non-kosher pots. And you make an adama on it. Here you have chewing on ginger, and you call it bari priyadama. It's called ochel. Lokash, again, the same answer. If it's moist ginger, that is eaten, and that you make a bari priyadama on it. If it's dry ginger, that's not considered to be ochel. You put on Yom Kippur, and you don't make any brach on it. We're going to see later on in the Gemara, is a mix of cut up kernels of wheat that are mixed with Honey and oil. Daisa is farina. So these two items. Review the Amar Shakol Nia Bidvaro, the Bracha Shakol. Kan Amar Varei Minei Mizanot. Now, Bidaisa Greta, when you're talking about plain farina, Kuli Amalopligay, Devari Binei Mizanot. It's no question. 
it's from one of the grains, one of the five grains, it's from Chita. There's no question, you're going to make a bori b'nei mizanota on it. They only argue in a case where it's farina that looks like chavitz k'deira, which is that they added in honey. They poured in honey to the daisa. Buddha says the din is you make a bracha shakol, however, dufsha ikar. The honey is the ikar. We know today, examples of that, when you have their kids, when it comes to soup nuts, ikar is the soup nuts and the soup is the tafel. It's a hechitimse to get to the soup nuts. So you'll see a bowl that's stacked, you know, a mile high with soup nuts and there's a little soup at the bottom. So as I was saying, the main item here, even though the devash is only a flavor, but the people eat this for the devash, they don't eat it for the farina. He says that the wheat, the grain, is the ikar here. is like here. Because Rav and Shmuel say something that proves his point or supports his position, which is, Anything that has from the five grains, the brach on it is, And that is, we have the principle of, we have the principle of ikar v'tafel before, which is that whatever is considered to be the primary object, that is what you make the brach on. The exception to that rule is the five grains. In the five grains, even if they are the tafel, you still make the bracha bere minem zanot over here. So that's true in this case. Even if you say that the dufsha is ikar, since it has from the five grains in it, you still make a bere minem zanot on it. There are two exceptions to that rule, where the five grains are not considered to be ikar. One is, where it's used as a thickening agent, not as a part of the food object. And the other one is, as Tosu points out here, where it's used as devek, where it's used as a binding agent. And so that comes up, first of all, with gravy. They use flour and gravy to thicken the gravy. So over there, you would not make a gravy name as an oat because it's used as a thickening agent and it's not used for the flavor of the food itself. The other place it comes up is with licorice. Many years ago, people said, oh, you have to make a mizono with the licorice because it has flour in it. And later on, they figured out that the flour in the licorice is really only a binding agent for the sugar. It's used to bind or to, as a, I don't want to call it a thickening agent here, but more of as a binding agent. And therefore, the bracha on licorice would be shakol. I think that most folks came today think that the bracha on the licorice is now shakol, not borei minim zanot. But this principle of kosher ishbom echamishin minim and barakal borei minim zanot, the Gemara will continue to discuss that in tomorrow's daf. Okay, we'll stop over here.